morning, everyone. So glad you found us on the map, the Mental Health and Addiction Podcast. I'm Kimberly Walsh, and I'm here with my fellow co-hosts, Andy Bernstein and Chris Long. Morning, guys. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, Alvin. What are you doing? Good. So just a quick background on us. Chris has been working with families to get people into treatment for many years. And Andy is the former producer of Crosscheck Radio with Kevin Stevens. I am in long-term recovery and own a sober home for women called Brady's Landing. The three of us are passionate about reducing the stigma around mental health and addiction. So we put this podcast together so that we could shed some light on the reality of these diseases, increase awareness, share stories of inspiration, and provide a platform to learn about the resources available if you or someone you love needs help. Uh, you can ask questions during the show via Facebook Live, and you can submit suggestions for topics on our Facebook page. Finally, all of our podcast episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thank you for your support. And uh, before we get to our guest, Willie, we're going to turn it over to Andy. Actually, I don't even know if Willie's a guest anymore. He's kind of part of the furniture, <laughs> I would say. Uh, yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, enough of him. I mean, it's like you're, you not a, you're not <laughs> a guest. You're not a guest anymore, right? Help yourself. Go into the <laughs> go into the kitchen. Go get whatever you want. Yeah, How, that's good. yeah how's everybody? Good. You doing okay? Yeah. Busy. Uh, yeah. So Willie, um, for those who. Uh, don't know you who, who don't know us but who don't know you tell t- give us a little background on you okay i'm a human being no i'm uh, I've, I've been in the field of uh, addiction and mental health for 32 years out of the 32 years 16 of it was uh, 15 of it was in inpatient psych addiction and stuff i started out in the detoxes and then i moved on to uh, inpatient psych because i could see there was more to addiction than just drinking and drinking and drugging so uh, I'm an educator for UMass Boston in the Addiction Counseling Education Program, teach occasionally at Cambridge College in their graduate school, uh, have been a preceptor for Harvard Medical School, first-year residents on substance abuse and co-occurring disorders. Uh, and in the 80s, I was a, uh, a very, very proud member of the Not Before Breakfast Big Mattress Players at WBC on the Rock of Boston. That's right, with the great Billy West, right? That's right, Billy. Billy West, otherwise known as... Uh, Ren and Stimpy and Doug on Nickelodeon, the Cheerios Honey Nut Bee and the Red M&M and Father Professor Zoyberg and Captain Brannigan on Futurama. So, yeah. So, and, and part of your, your, you know, your whole approach to treatment um, is, com- you know, you use comedy and humor as, a, humor. as one of the ways to... Yeah I, yeah, I think it's a bridge. I mean, you know, humor, humanity, human, they all begin with H-U-M. I think there's a reason for that. You know, when, when I'm working with somebody, I'm not above them. I'm there to work for them and with them. You know? Well... Well, we're thrilled to have you as always. And uh, thank you. Thrilled so, back. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, it's a wacky time right now. And uh, um, I thought I would start with our little news article, a little levity before Kimberly throws out a, a more serious topic. Although this is serious, but um, here's the article. And, and, and being follically challenged, I, I'm so glad Willie's here today because as another follically challenged person, we could be the Smith brothers. We challenged, really? Follically challenged. Follically yeah. challenged. <laughs> he stole that from me. I, I said that years I ago. Did, I did steal that from I you. I know you did. Uh, um, all right. But there's going to be other bald people in the world coming out, um, uh, unfortunately. Um, although I like being bald. Um, so going back to the COVID, um, can COVID-19 cause hair loss? Here's what you need to know. And this comes from the Huffington Post. And um, and while we're poking fun of being bald, um, COVID-19 
um, has emerged as a, um, one of the side effects of it is um, hair loss, which is um, pretty unexpected. And, um, you know, it talks about one of the uh, uh, professors at dermatology at Northwestern said that, um, you know, a lot of this is the infection in, you know, of stress on our bodies. And, um, and they're saying that, um, you know, it's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of people having it and there's, um, you know, they're seeing patients in New York and one of the hospitals with bags of hair um, that they've lost after even recovering from COVID-19. So I, I'm not going to go too far into it because it's, it's kind of lengthy and we have other stuff to talk about, but I will say um, there's going to be a lot of byproducts of oh, yeah. the COVID-19 that we may not even know. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, no. I think longitudinal studies, as we go down the road, it's like, like, like with any new illness or any new, new drug, even too. You don't know the, you know, you don't know what the, what the true outcomes are going to be until you get some time down the road. You know, so. Chris, well, you, know what's, you know what's, um, what's interesting is that my husband says, and, and we could get concerned. You know, people aren't. Um, you know, we don't know the long-term effects of this COVID on your lungs. Like, you know, it's an, a respiratory thing and it's like, we're not gonna see the long-term effects for a while. It's kind of like what happened with 9-11 with all the stuff that happened after 9-11 with all the bad air and stuff. The same thing's gonna happen with this COVID. I mean, they're saying, you know, people like that were on, uh, people that were on, um, you know, on ventilators for months at a time. That does historical damage. It doesn't, you know, it, it keeps you alive and it allows you to heal, but it does damage. You know, it's kind of like when you break a bone and if you don't heal from the bone correctly, you get arthritis, but you don't really realize it until you're older when, you know, your body starts to decrepitate. So or you worked in a mine and you got black lung, you know, or, or, or PTSD, because we talked about it last week. Going back to the hair loss, they said that it is that um, this type of hair loss because of the COVID is actually temporary. And they said that, um, you know, it eventually subsides. This too shall pass. And it's going to happen with this as well. Not for me. I think the, te the temporary hair loss thing, the, that ship has Not sailed for both of you. I'm yeah. <laughs> That's right. But guys, 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 I don't know if you've noticed, but for some reason I have a halo over my head. Can you see the halo over my head? Oh, That's a mistake. Isn't that, a, isn't that cool? It's a huge, huge mistake. I think they're going to canonize me. I'm not sure. You know, I, I must be up for canonization. You know? See, really, I love it. Uh, but I, I will say that one of the things, and to 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 Chris's point, um, it, the article ends by saying experts are still learning about the novel coronavirus, and this is, um, you know, that they're just continuing to study more and more about the the effects of this thing. Yeah. And and so even if, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, me personally, I think it's just, you know, we got to be in this for the long haul because I don't know if it's Inter a, a Interesting piece that, 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 that Chris was talking about. Chris was talking about 9-11, and I'm sort of seeing an analogy now with 9-11 and the COVID in that, you know, after 9-11, it's like people were numb for like two or three months and then all the psychological issues started banging out all over the place. And I think we're seeing that now where, you know, this has been going on since March. 
and now people are just hitting that wall. They're hitting the pandemic wall because I'm having clients go to detox, going inpatient psych that, you know, I mean, you get somebody in early recovery and then all of a sudden they're getting stimulus checks at $600. It's like, it's a little tough on it. Yeah, it's like, like that mental health. Yeah, it's like, you know, well, maybe I'm not quite ready for sobriety yet. You know, right. stuff, you know, back out. Yeah. You know yeah. what? I talked to, um, I went to see my, uh, my surgeon on a shoulder, um, uh, from my shoulder last week. Renowned surgeon, right? Mm-hmm. He's top surgeon. And he was telling me he's out of his mind. I mean, he's really at his wits end with it. I mean, it's really yeah. affecting him too. Yeah. Uh, all, all kinds of emotions. And I think, yeah. you know, it, it's... I guess the point is, it's it, it will pass. It is temporary. Mm-hmm. We hope, you know. Um, yeah, life is too, but we want to try to enjoy it, you know. <laughs> well, that's just it. Do you yeah. feel guilty? Do you feel guilty? Like, like I I was away um, with some family, and it was really nice. But um, you know, did you do you feel guilty like being close in close quarters to your family? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we were on vacation and it was, we had a house and we were all close. And then my wife and I are like, well, well, we're a little too close to comfort for these people. You know? Well, it's like, I'm going down to Connecticut on Saturday. It's a reunion of the neighborhood that I grew up in. It's all baby boomers. And we had a, with uh, ascots, with neighborhood, no, a a neighborhood where we had a, you know, like a, a river next to the neighborhood with a beach and we're having a clam bake like our parents did. And it's like, um, my wife Yvette's not going. She's like, I don't want to take the chance. And she said, and when you come home, I'm going to be wearing a mask in the house for the first week that you're back. And so, right. But- so how do you guys think about that? I mean, I, I don't know, you know, down in sandwich land, you may not have that. It's, uh, you know, I, I mean, but I mean, what, what, what's your take on it? Kimberly? So, I mean, we still do. Um, there's, certainly an opportunity people come in and out all the time you could certainly contract it so we just we're doing what we're told we wear our masks and we practice um you know social distancing um i went to a meeting last night that we were in a circle and we literally roped it off six feet apart from everybody nobody you know hugged or anything we just kind of elbow bumped if if bad at all yeah. and, um, we were still able to see one another it wasn't quite the same but it was still it was still a good um a positive step i think yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a baseball fan. I see baseball back. I'm happy. The cardboard cutouts are outstanding. Some of the teams have it. The Dodgers have weekend at Bernie's. You yeah, know. The, the NBA is doing it better, though. They've got the virtual screens it's on tremendous. the screen, which is, like, unbelievable. It's tremendous. Yeah, there's people, like, turning and looking and eating. Yes, and yeah, like, yeah, it's really cool. Well, but, we'll it's, but the sad thing is, though, it's, like, every 25 feet, it, there's the twin. And then, like another yeah. twenty-five feet, it's yeah. the triplet because they're all the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The but you know what? Screens. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I give the NBA a lot of credit. Yeah. In the fact that. Andy, they, are you eating marshmallows? No, it's a cap for my inhaler. Um, you are the master <laughs> of the obvious. Listen, what does that taste like? <laughs> plastic. But I'll tell you. You know, you watch the NBA, and I give them yeah. a lot of credit because it seems like, and I'm not an NBA guy, but I, it seems like they've they've shifted their model, their business, you know, their, their approach. They got the bubble. They keep the players in the bubble. They, they adjusted the look and feel to engage fans. You know, they um, are addressing key social issues right now. So I think on, on some level, I think we have me personally 
have to be okay to be nimble and go with what's going on right now. Yeah. Because if you fight it, yeah. I think you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, fortunately we're from the Northeast where we believe in this word called uh, science, you know, where you start going south of the Mason Dixon line, it changes in a Mississippi moment, man. You know, well, so that's just, I'm just going to pray to baby. I'm just going to pray to baby Jesus. You know, down south is the only place where Jesus is three syllables. All right. We're not going there. Listen, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Yeah. Um, football got canceled, right? Because isn't it interesting? And Wait, it got canceled, canceled? Well, no, no, no. College, two major college football conferences canceled. Right. Now, hold on. MIAA canceled Division Two and Division Three. Division One is playing. For now. Not am I NCAA, excuse me. No. Whatever no. it is. No. The Pac twelve. And the SEC, the right? No. Land in my house right now. The Pac twelve. What land the, in your house? <laughs> a all, right. all right, listen. There's too much going on there. All right. Let's uh this is a uh a, a high class production here. Um listen. You're the one that keeps throwing all these different topics that gets us. No, I'm to no, my because my topics are all about this temporary situation, which is going to segue right to Kimberly talking about how mental health issues are. Uh, there's a temporary mental health issue, so I'm going to turn it over to Kimberly. I'm going to stop talking. Yes, Kimberly. Andy, we we can Thank see God. mental health issues are coming up, Andy. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> mental health. I'm not even paying attention. Yeah. I've, I've worked with you for years. I don't I even know. pay. I don't even listen to you anymore. Thank you for uh, the mental health moment, Andy. Okay. I yes, love Kimberly, you. go ahead. Go ahead, Kimberly. Mental health moment has been brought to you by. Yes. <laughs> really drink water and associates. Don't drink alcohol, drink water. Okay. Um, okay. Back to, back to seriousness. Mm -hmm. So, um, as you know, I don't know, Willie may be able to give a better um, definition than this, but I, I, from what I understand, mental illness can be mild, it can be severe, it can be temporary, it can be prolonged or chronic, right? Mm -hmm. The symptoms include thoughts and feelings of excessive worrying, changes in sleep or weight, um, difficulty concentrating, and auto erratic behavior. Uh -huh. um, it's often brought about by a stressful or traumatic event, such as the loss of a loved one or a um, significant and stressful life change. Yeah. Um, would you agree with that, Willie? Yeah, I wouldn't. And, you know, also, also too, in the primary area that I'm in addiction and stuff, it's, uh, uh, you know, anyone that goes through the detox, and I've said it here before, when you come out of the detox, there's always going to be a degree of depression and anxiety. That doesn't mean you have to medicate everyone the second they come out of the detox. You don't need to throw everyone on uh, Johnny's on gabapentin. You know, you don't need to throw everyone on an antidepressant. I mean, well, the, the thinking in the field is that, you know, if someone is not a good historian, if they can't tell you, you know, of, of a period in their life of three to six months when they weren't using anything, what their mood was like, then you usually think in terms of, you know, after three months of sobriety post de detox, that's when you can begin to look to see if there's other mental health issues going on. But, you know, I don't know why we're not emphasizing when, when people come out of the detox, they get a complete physical with blood work done. They get a referral from their primary care to a nutritionist mm -hmm. and they start a program yeah, of exercise. Yeah, right. you know, to get that baseline numbers. It's like, yeah. we're too, we're too, and there are exceptions, though. If you have people that went through detox for stimulants, say cocaine and meth, 
or, or any of the stimulant class, then yeah, maybe you want to put them on an antidepressant right away when they leave the detox because it's been shown in research that people, people that were into uh, stimulant abuse post-detox, they can keep going into a deeper and deeper depression for up to three months. And the deeper the depression, the higher the risk of suicidality. So, so there always are, you know, it's case by case. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of substance-induced mood disorders. You know, when somebody comes out of the detox, they're depressed. Well, yeah, because it's part of the price of travel. It's part. Of, it takes their body and their brain a while to 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 come back again, to regulate back to. That's ninety days. Yeah. I, I have a girl right now. I have a young lady right now in ICU. Mm. Uh, two weeks, uh, intubated and sedated, mm. and um, her kidneys aren't functioning, uh, and she has been on a laundry list of, you know. The gabapentin, the Xanax, the um, if I if I can just pause you there, Chris, Xanax out of all the detoxes I've seen over the years, absolutely by far the most horrendous. Uh, people yelling and screaming at you, and then they're crying, and then they're nodded out for three hours, and they're back again. I actually have a, a colleague, a former student of mine, named name name uh, name uh, name God. Uh, uh, her her name is Stiblow, is her last name and stuff. Um, but, but anyway, she she has a big she has a big uh, she has a big organization now where they're talking about benzo, the dangers of benzodiazepines, and, and, no, she, and she's, I've been uh, I'm I'm gonna confess I I've been taking them to help me sleep, yeah. right? And yeah. what? Lorazepam because I, I I don't take it all the time, but I do take them because I have anxiety and I have anxiety and and my anxiety has been heightened because of what's going on right now in the world yeah. and the fact that I'll watch the news. And, but I get scared by it because I hear they're like horrible. Well, the, the worst thing about Xanax, though, is that it has it has the shortest half-life of all the benzodiazepines. So you put 10 people on benzos. This was out of Tufts. You put 10 people on benzos that never had an addiction issue. If you put them on Xanax in, in six months, half of them will. So for people it who creates are, its own craving. So tell me, so talk to me about, you know, for people who are taking benzodiazepines as a way to address temporary mental health issues or, you know, or anxiety that's been risen. What does it do to your body? And what are the other alternatives? Okay, well, first of all, it changes your brain chemistry. Uh, when I was working at North Shore Medical Center, we, we had a woman in the uh, partial program. She had been on, she had been on benzo since uh, since she was 22 and she was 62. And, uh, and I sat down with, with her and the psychiatrist. She wanted to come off of benzos. She wanted to come off of Xanax. And the psychiatrist said, absolutely not. And, you know, she was a bit flabbergasted. And he said, he said, your brain has been so altered. Your neural pathways have been so altered 40 years on Xanax. You wouldn't even be, be able to function if I took you off. Really? Is that really yeah. true, though? Yeah. It, it changes the neural pathways. It does. My grandmother took it every night with a glass, <laughs> with a glass of uh, with a with a cocktail every night yeah. religiously. She lived till ninety three. Yeah, but, <laughs> those are good genetics, Andy. I mean, what uh, what are the things we do? You you said, well, what can we do in 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 place of? I mean, one of the things that that I work on clients with are grounding tech techniques. You you first start to feel anxiety coming up. There's there's mental grounding techniques. There's uh, uh, there's physical grounding techniques. For for example, like if you start to feel anxiety coming on, one of, one of the grounding techniques you can do is 
the room that you're in, you start looking around the room that you're in and you start to either mentally or out loud, you start naming everything that you see in that room. There's a black TV, there's yeah. a lamp, there's a desk that's brown. Well, you, you can make- do senses too, right? You can do smell, taste, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. touch. That'll help. That'll work too. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Keep, keep with, 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 with one of the things I've been finding this summer with a couple of my clients and stuff too is when they start to feel uh, the advent of anxiety coming on, they go in the bathroom and they just start splashing their face with cold, cold water. And that a lot of times is, is just enough to break that initial rise of anxiety. Stuff. So there's all sorts of tech techniques you can do in place of popping a benzo, you know, but yeah. we live in a society give me a pill, fix me now, if not yesterday. So, right. Yeah, I, I actually it, have an experience with that. If I could share. Real yeah, quick. And, cool. a, and a similar thing happened. I think as you guys know, I, I kind of packed up all my stuff and moved across country with Brady, um, started a business, um, which was more stressful than I had originally thought. Mm-hmm. Um, then was told Brady only had two months to live. Um, so all these things are, you know, starting to compound upon each other. Um, thankfully, I mean, I was able to, um, keep Brady healthy for another year, but when I had to put him down, something inside me kind of broke. And I, uh, but when I started, (laughs) when I started understanding why people cut themselves because the physical pain would be easier to endure than the emotional pain, I figured, I thought, okay, I need to I need to get some help about this. So, so I did. So I went to the, to a couple physicians who needless to say, uh, put me on a myriad of different drugs, which I was so, you know, despondent that I took that. I, I just have to ask you, Kim, Kim, yeah. I have to interject with, with sure. those, were those primary care doctors or were those, you know, psychiatrists or. No, it was but mostly psychiatrists. Okay. Yeah. Um, and but primary care had referred me to the psychiatrist. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um, so anyway, so I started taking these pills and I became, I had a reaction to them and I was erratic and I was, um, I gained weight. I lost weight. I was hyped up. Then I was suddenly drowsy. Um, I couldn't sleep and I slept too much. And I just started feeling my whole disposition had changed and I started feeling, you know, ashamed of this, you know, and, and sort of, um, uncomfortable in my own skin. And I started people pleasing and it was, it was, it was insane. And, and then to top it all off, yeah. I had a couple of friends that I had made. Um, and my expectation was that these people who had experience in mental health and, and illness would understand or sympathize what was happening. I mean, who better to understand, right? Um, but that wasn't my experience. I was, it was, I was kind of met with further criticism. And so they, then they shared my personal information with others and I felt more ostracized. Um, I was ashamed and lonely and isolated. And uh, it was it was a rough period. So finally, I, I did. I got off I got off all the medications. I and mean, this is ridiculous. And um, I found some people in the program who didn't judge. You know, very um, very sympathetic. And um, when they saw that I wasn't acting open-minded. like open minded, yeah, open minded, yeah, open minded, yeah, and and really. You know, I think that's why that's what ending the stigma kind of looks like being sympathetic to those things, because um, it's because we do people when they're in pain, they, they take whatever somebody gives them. If they give them advice or they give them, you know, they're going to take they're going to take it, you know, yeah. so we just kind of have to help, you know, be more kind and understanding as opposed to criticizing. Well, you uh, know, that, that's a that's a great point. I, I um, you know, I know we're getting off topic. Shocking. Um, but um, we're getting off topic. No, but, but, but really, I'm getting off topic. But kind of, 
you know, I, I talked about this the other day. I said, you know, uh, my expectations are, are very high of people. I have very high expectations. I guess that's on myself. I'll beat the, I'll beat myself up. So I, in my yeah, if you ever want to have resentment then have an expectation. <laughs> well, that's just it. That's right, I mean, just it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough stuff. Right. Yeah. So I get, and you know, you're expecting people to perform in a certain way and act in a certain way. And then they let you feel let down. And the reality is, is that what I'm learning and it's not easy is that having empathy for the other person and know that person's not out to get you. They're just trying to deal with their own stuff in life. And it's not on your, you know, it's not an attack towards you. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's something I have to emphasize with addiction counseling students, too, is that, you know, sometimes the angriest patients are, are the ones in the most emotional pain. And if you, personalize, if you personalize it, then you're dead in the water. You know, if they, if they tell you to go F yourself, you know, and you react back to it, it's like mm -hmm. you don't have a chance of a third. You know, I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll go, wow, I wonder what, what's going on with them that they told me to go, you know, and stuff. And then I might say, well, I'm concerned. Is there any, is there anything you want to talk about? I mean, you walked in my office. I didn't even say anything. And you told me where to go. So well, you know, like wow. Don Miguel Ruiz said, I don't know if you ever read him, but yeah. for four agreements. Agreement. And I use this line. People love it because I'm stealing it from there. I borrowed it from their from the book is everyone's the star of their own movie. Mm -hmm. And, and it's true. That's it's true. true. They say that in the program too. We're all we're all actors on the stage trying to, you know, tell everybody where to go, what to do, and it's all about you, you know. Right. Well, there's, and for, there's another line for that too. We're all egomaniacs with an inferiority complex. I mean that that we've heard around the halls for a number of years also. So know? so what do you so what do you do about this? Like, because I feel like right now everybody's in the uh, kind of running in, you know, you start to see what people are all about right now. In this time, like, are you a well, leader? We really don't. That's just it, Andy. We really don't. We only see the consequences of COVID. We don't really see who these people are. We see people mm. unraveling. We see people not knowing how to deal with, myself included. Like, I'm, you know, Willie, you're the same way. You know, we, we talk to these people and we deal with people every day, and it's like we can relate to them, but we could never admit that we can relate because these people are seeking help from us and if we admit that we're as messed up as they are on some of these things then it shows that we're weaker and that's like my big thing is like i always say i can totally relate but i don't go to the level of right yeah you know, i mean the yeah rock. i mean yeah i mean i had a client the other night that blew up uh, absolutely blew up and and she's like yeah you get to be in your house and you're working and you know you can just work over the phone and over zoom and you know the money that you're making from me is paying your mortgage and i mean went totally off on me totally off to the point where she told me where to go and you know i need i need somebody else and i was like well if that's the way you feel do you want to refer no no i, I don't need anything from you f you and you know and the whole bit and it's like Okay, it's like, you know, I, I don't allow myself to be verbally abused. So, I mean, you know, I ended the phone call. That was, you know, what's the point of trying to move forward? While, but then while you hang up the phone and you sit and you're like, okay, how can I handle this differently? And it weighs heavy yeah, on your heart. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, you hope that the phone's going to ring again saying, okay, I was wrong. I had a moment or whatever. Hmm. But going back to what you were saying before Andy diverted, 
yeah. when yeah. you know so like I, when i feel anxiety coming yeah. it's like i'll be sitting in bed i'll be totally no, just about to doze off and yeah. something will go on the news and my heart rate i can feel my heart rate yeah. ramp back up yeah. and yeah. it's like i try the breathing to net techniques you try all that but sometimes you just can't like you can't you can't um you can't snap out of it and then that's when you go to the self-medicating you know that's when i go for the cbd gummy because mine this little gummy is going to make me feel better right it's all psychological why xanax is going to make me feel better this lazarpan is going to make me feel better you know but but I mean, I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate that my dog knows when there's something going on, and he won't leave me. Right. He stays. He stays right on me and stuff. Right. He does. We don't. We as society have the quick fix for everybody, and it's a yeah. little magic pill. I want to wait a minute, Andy. Instead of providing the tools mm-hmm. openly and readily, and by providing these tools and these these techniques that can help you get off of that ledge. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, a hundred years ago, there wasn't that little magic pill and people would talk to one another. And we didn't have these damn cell phones yeah. that distracted us or took us away from, you know, diverting us from the problem. So we need to go back to the, to the, the original- Simplify. Communication, dialogue, and listening. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say something. And, and this Johan Hari. Last week, right? I made a commitment. So I had a last Thursday, horrible day. Um, And I saw a lot of things from my younger days that kind of manifested itself last Thursday. I take Adderall. I've mentioned it before. I take Adderall to help with my ADD. Uh My ADD and depression has been able to be treated and it's allowed me to have a really good life Uh as a result of treating those two things. When I was younger, I probably, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, I had a, I abused alcohol. Let's say in my twenties, I abused alcohol. Okay. So what happened was last week, I didn't take my, my, I was out of my medication, my Adderall and I did our show, my other show I do. And I ended up leaving stuff behind. I, I ended up forgetting, um, having issues with my tech the, the production equipment mm-hmm. i had a parking ticket for 90 dollars, right and um and then i had another project going on at the same time because i made a commitment so i spread myself way too thin right and it took me back to 20 years ago where it's like um you know i everything just kind of uh, i saw my life unraveled went off the tracks for that one time because and it reminded me like I can't spread myself too thin I can't take on every project I have to stay absolutely within my lane and not not deviate from it because I was totally overwhelmed I'm spread too thin right but I keep taking more and more and more yeah I I can identify with you on that I I'm, I'm doing a staycation the last week in August and the first in September and I've got to get my practice back to you know to being to being sane again because it's like with the COVID, it's like, okay, I'll take someone else. Okay, I'll take someone else on. And 
it's like I'm, I'm running around in a circle. You know, it's like I, I'm fortunately with UMass, one course ended this past Sunday and the other two courses end in two weeks. So that'll give me some breathing space again. But I've been, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still with the three courses. I was still still doing 30 to 40 clients a week teletherapy. And it's just it's just, you know, I can only take my dog for so many walks and work out so many times before it begins to catch up. You know, so it's. I've got to reorganize it now, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to refer to colleagues, but a lot of my colleagues are full now too. It's just like, there's not a, you know, and the need well, for well, therapy. And then we run back into the whole, you know, so my daughter, um, she's on probation mm -hmm. and part of her stipulation for her probation is that she has to meet with a therapist mm -hmm. and she had a therapist and the therapist left and wasn't in, and they didn't have any, you know, she's been waiting for two months to get a therapist yeah. and she has severe anxiety. Um, she's always had anxiety and never diagnosed as a kid. Shame on me as a parent. Um, you didn't but, know what you didn't know at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then she's also got, she's also bipolar and she's, you know, she was prescribed meds, um, nothing crazy, but she was prescribed meds for it. She's got three kids. She's a single mom. She's got a lot of stuff on her plate and then the therapist just kind of was like, oh, I'm done. Good luck. And she's been waiting. And so her, her probation officer finally checked in after a very long time and was like, uh, I see you haven't been having any therapies. And she's like, yeah, I've been on a waiting list, you know. But then in your mind at that age on probation with all these things trying to juggle life, now you get somebody breathing. You need to meet with a therapist. And it's like it's there's not enough. And you know what my and you know what my initial reaction is, Chris, hearing you now. Is like, oh, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. I'll jump in. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know, right. Which I will if you want. But it's like, yeah. yeah but I mean, what? Why? Why is that? Why? What? Why is that? Why do I do that? Why do I take more and more projects on? Why do you, Chris, take more and more people on? Kimberly, why do you? Why do we do that's, that? That's human nature. It's human that you is want it or is it ego? You want to? Or is it ego? I don't think it's ego. I, th I think the one important piece that we need to really keep the focus on, though, is self-care. If you're not doing the self-care first, you can't you can't help anyone else to help themselves if you're not doing your own self-care. You know. My my granddaughter taught me a lesson yesterday. Mm. She's 11, and she's TikTok addicted, and uh -huh. she's um, phoba. What's that? FOMO. FOMO. She's FOMO. <laughs> and what's FOMO? Fear <laughs> missing out. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's like Fire. You know, learn. Learn something new. drives me nuts right she drives yeah, me nuts but yesterday um i haven't done anything all summer with them because i've had the little guy too and <clears throat> yesterday we went to the beach and she left untold she left her phone in the car and i was like wow wow she's she's telling me hey i'm here i want your attention and i don't have my phone and so for the most part i really i mean changing my music. I didn't, I didn't go on my phone yesterday at the beach and it was wonderful. And we had a great day and that's self care. And today I'm, I'm energized and I'm good and I'm ready. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely necessary. That's great. That is awesome. So really just to get back on the temporary mental illness aspect. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, do you see that as, um, as a reality and do you see it often where a situation can cause a temporary 
and mental illness. I mean, one in five oh, people. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many times when I'm working with somebody with, with depression and anxiety, like initial appointments and stuff, and they'll say, yeah, I need to get on medication because I'm, I'm depressed and I have anxiety. And I'll say, well, is it is it over like anything going on in your life? Oh, yeah. And they'll tell me about this situation in their life. And it's like, so instead of going on medication, why don't we work on the situation? Because once that's resolved, you probably won't need medication, will you? Right. You know? It isn't right. like it isn't like a, it's an innate form of, so to speak, of depression or anxiety. It's situational. <laughs> but it's a but it's there. But there are cases where it is chemical. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But you have to separate, you know, the, the chafe and the wheat, as they say. I mean, you really you really need to take a good assessment. You know, I mean, but yeah, you know, I've been I've been feeling so depressed. What's been going on? Well, my relationship ended after seven, seven years. I need something for it. It's like. No, you don't. You need to work through the stages of grief and loss because the relationship is gone. Why don't we talk about that? You know, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you. So my neighbor, um, I've told you guys about my neighbor. He uh, lost his wife after 33 years. I had a conversation. He calls us three times a day, right? My wife and I. Yeah. yeah. And, What's his and name, I, Andy? What was his I, name? Uh, we're going to protect the innocent. Oh, we'll call him Don. Don Bob. We'll call, we'll call him Bob. Bob. Don. Does Bob so, have a goldfish in a bowl? Bob needs <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, no, so, what about so, Bob? Yeah. So he's a very big, um, you know, if I were going to label him, I'd label him an alcoholic, right, for sure. So he drives around the neighborhood all day, and he, you know, he's just a mess. He's 65. He smokes weed and drinks all day, right? Um, and he calls us at night. And I said to him, I go, I said, I said, why don't you go? I said, you're the only person I know who loses somebody after 33 years of a relationship and does not go to grief counseling. You've never gone to grief counseling. And he said, well, if I go to grief counseling, I'm going to still come back and she's not going to be there. And I said, well, maybe you should be on an antidepressant. Maybe that. And he said, I am on one. I go, what's that? I said, alcohol is not an antidepressant. It's a depressant. That's what I said to him. I go, he goes, if I don't have my alcohol, I can't function. I can't go to bed at night. That's physiological dependence. Then he's on the road to seizure if he doesn't drink. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And he's, but, but it's like, it's like, why? I mean, I, he's beyond help. No, no one's beyond help. Right now, don't give up on him. Where there's breath, where there's breath, there is hope. That's it. You know the old philosophy of Caspar. Correct. When do you give up on somebody? Not until they give up their last breath. But if he does that, if he does that, right, and he gets off alcohol, yeah, right, all of a sudden, his whole the emotional pain that will be there is that going to bury him? Okay, so so here's here's your story. Okay, here's my story. I have a 67 year old heroin addict. Okay, wow. that's rare, man. Yeah, very rare. Wow. Yeah. I had a, a procedure and didn't come out. Just a typical day surgery procedure and didn't come out. Devastated. Best friends, married for a long time. Was self medicating because you know because his best friend was here today and gone tomorrow. Um, and they didn't, well, he didn't want to, he didn't want to, but he couldn't deal with the fact that he got up and his wife was not in her bed, in his bed with her anymore. And 
the, the, the daily routine of being married for so many years and, and being a good, healthy marriage for so many years, you know, but the thing is, is it was street drugs. It was street Xanax and unbeknownst, it turned into fentanyl. Yeah. Didn't know that. So, so then the stigma happens, right, Chris? Yeah. And then yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, holy shit. Like, what am I going to do? Sorry, Mike. What am I going to do? You know, and it's really scary. Can you imagine like being that age and have to go into a detox and you're sitting with a bunch of 23, 24 year olds tatted up to, you know, the neck, telling their war stories of years and years and years. Well, as it turns out, this particular person has been been doing. Um, hey, hey, this just this just uh, came on the news from from Baker. I don't know if I if it's OK to cut in with it. Uh, <laughs> OK, Walter Cronkite. No, no, it just <laughs> it, it, it has to do with what we're talking about. Go, go. Baker, I love it. Baker, he said this. He said the state is seeking federal disaster assistance funds for cities and towns, state agencies, and certain nonprofits, as well as for individuals. Under the federal disaster programs, individuals could get help with crisis counseling, and unemployment assistance uh, could go to workers uh, that don't qualify for regular unemployment benefits. He said. So he, he crisis counseling. I mean, he's going after disaster funding for crisis. I mean, how good is Baker? Personally, I mean, we love should him. Talk about I love him. Love I like him. Baker. I do. Love I do. Him. I'm a Baker. I mean, he's guy. kind of a goofball. If you ever, yeah. go back, if you ever go back to one of his very first of all, he messed up the name. He was trying to trying to get in on the whole opiate uh, opioid. Um, Yo, semis. Well, yeah, when he first started and he, he messed up a family and the family's son's name and that was on the news. That was like a big blip. But the first time he ever said opioid on TV, he just totally slaughtered the name. And it was so funny. But like he's he's done a lot. I mean, I have I to mean, say. The only the only thing the, the governor's council on addiction and stuff too is like it's all it's all Matt Matt based and stuff which which I don't have a problem with Matt but but what what I what I do have a problem with is that there's there's no services for people that don't want to use Matt exactly you know so right. I mean right. that's that's true yeah. and you know what it's kind of why the point of what I was sharing today you know I shared my experience so people can understand that. Uh, you know, that the damage that can be done by, by the stigma, by, by their words and their actions and how painful it can be to be on the receiving end of judgment and criticism for something they can't control, right? And so we need to just be more kind, have more understanding, because um, I know be that- protect And be protective of, and be protective. You, of yeah. who you let yeah. into your circle, That's because, right. because not everybody is for you, right? For whatever reason, not everybody's for you. And you I mean the one the one big thing I learned from Andy, you know, over the last couple of years is you gotta have hope. Right, Andy? Gotta have hope. <laughs> it's an inside joke. It goes to yeah. a radio show, but yeah, yeah but hope. but hope, but yeah. hope, but but in serious, like like these are great words. Hope and where's know. the action? Yeah. Right. Like 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 how do you deal? Right. How do you deal? I think that's why we wanted to do this show. This is why we try to do this. Like, yeah, how do we deal? Right. How do you deal? Because it is it is real. Like like and it's not going to be medication and it's not going to be. I mean, it, in some cases, you may have some kind of clinical um, or medical thing. But, you know, is most depression situational. Would you say? It's hard. To, I mean, I go case by case on that. So I don't I have. I mean, 
I mean, I can tell you that 33, you know, 30 to 33 percent of people with depression also have an addiction issue. And with bipolar disorder, it's over 50 percent. So, I mean, so you can. You, you can I think it. we actually have some questions on chat, right? Um, I got, hold on. I got them right here. Oh, cool. Um, nope. It just says good mornings. Oh, all right. False. Okay. So, so, um, Willie. Yes. Well, you have somebody who's been on the street. So temporary mental health, right? Temporary um, mental illness. You have somebody who um, is been on the streets for a long time, right? And their dopamine has been suppressed because that's what these drugs do. So you get this person off the drugs. They do the detox, seven days detox. Then they go into the CSS for 14 days, give or take. Then they go to the next one, but they're still not feeling better. Yeah, they're physically feeling they're physically feeling better. They're starting to put weight on. They're yeah, that, that, that's why I've been saying, Chris, is, you know, we, 30 days, you know, we, we keep having these 30 day programs. And when st statistically, you don't see a significant drop in relapse rate until people are in 100 days of continuous treatment. That's come out of Harvard, you know, and it's, uh, uh, you know, so why do we keep funding 30 day? Pro well, you know, it's cheaper. It's like, oh, well, 100 day programs would be more expensive. But would it be in the long run if you have fewer people going into treatment? I right. mean, so, so, you know, I mean, you know, but, you're, you're, yeah. Okay. So my question is, you know, when you get to that, that 45 day mark, right? And people think that they, they're cured because they haven't. No, they're cured like a side of ham. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Spiral, spiral ham. Spiral ham, um, yes. Holiday time. Yay. But you get to that point, right? And and the mental health, the depression. Yeah, you know, you can see the butterflies, you can smell the fresh air. Yeah, like yeah. you're trying. What do we do? You know, to I think we start to advocate with what with what like Connecticut did and Louisiana did, and that's the com you know combining mental health and addiction all under one umbrella. That you know basically where DPH DPH merges with DMH. That you don't have this split where each of them is a little kingdom and they're protecting their own budgets at the state house. That's what it comes down to. You yeah. know, when they have outside groups at the state house advocating for their monies and this, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like two kids that don't want to play in the same sandbox, you know, it's yeah. the same sandbox, but they don't want to play in it together. You know, how do you think, okay, so maybe people who have temporary, need to advocate for combined. Yeah. So you have temper, temper. So I have two questions mm -hmm. or two thoughts. One, do people really, okay, so we just talked about Charlie Baker advocating disaster relief funds. Yeah. There are so many resources out there for people. There are, right? You may not agree, Chris, but there are places where I people could go. Don't you think we need to spend more time giving people access, uh, uh, showing them how they can access information? Because I don't know if people really understand how to find out what's oh, available yeah. well, to well, them. Well, that's a good question. And as you know, with you, you and I spoke over the weekend about a colleague of mine, you know, that, that runs the helpline for, for BSAS. She works with the outside agency, right. runs that line and stuff. So if she's available next week and stuff, I mean, she can, she can do a whole thing on how to access anything and everything. And BSAS is? Oh, the Bureau of Substance Abuse Services out of DPH, the helpline. Right, right because, that's, because that's I think- the MA BSAS line, right? That's the what? Massachusetts. The MA, that's the MA uh, Massachusetts 
access to behavior, whatever it is. That's yeah. that site, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the problem with that site is, because I use that whenever anybody ever reaches out to me, I go right on to that site and I, you know, look at the bed availability. Bed availability. The problem is, is that what people don't understand is, okay, so you get somebody that's wants a bed and they're, they're ready. Right. So we're going to try wherever and whatever we can do because that we know that window of time is very, very short. Sure. Can be very short. So you see on the list seven beds, right? Yeah. At a detox. And it's yeah. a decent yeah. detox. What people don't understand is that other facilities, i.e. hospitals, uh, respites. Are calling in for the are same Are calling bed. in and they, they get, so, so say I call you, hey, Willie, um, I need a bed for so-and-so. Okay, Chris, you know what? Uh, I will have a bed available tomorrow. I'll put them on the list. They've got a bed tomorrow. Okay, right, great. Right, right. But that lit that bed is listed the next day as available. It's very misleading and it's very okay. difficult. Because what I mean, the, the last that I understood, and we can ask uh, Karen if she comes on that. But it's like they're supposed to do, they're supposed to do calls in the morning to all the BSAS funded programs to find out about bed availability, and then again in the afternoon, right? To try to keep it up to date. I mean, they did that when I first began in the field. And it really worked out well because, you know, you get someone would call up the detox and say, yeah, I just spoke to the helpline at BSAS. They said you had three open beds. And if you're going to if you if you don't feel like doing an admission, you might want to think you, you might think of saying, well, we're full. And, you know, you can't because BSAS has that number. And if you right. turn them away, that's going to send up a flag to BSAS like, hey, why, why do we have a contract with you if you're not going to keep the beds full? And then right. if you make. Then if you make the mistake and say, well, we can't do admissions on overnight because we don't have the staffing. Oh, so you, you're a big caca. You don't have the staffing? Well, your contract says you have to have the staffing. So so maybe we need to take that contract and give it to someone else. Did you see the, did you see the article about uh, NORCAP cutting back? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but think about it. If you're if you're not if you have mental health or yeah. you have substance abuse, how can you expect people? I think it's very i think people need their hand held i really do i i yeah but i mean if you're like okay i don't know where to go maybe I this should be a part of maybe this should be a part of all education like health education in grammar school and high school and have parents nights you know i mean yeah there's a difference between holding hands and enabling and, and enabling exactly so if it was your child I would send your child to somebody like myself or Kimberly or Will to help them find a place to go as opposed yeah. to you because But how do I find what I do because what I do what I do with people when I put people into detox, I'm like, I'll do all the legwork, but they have to make the phone call. So I'll, make, right. I'll make the phone call and say when I was, Yeah. Yeah. But when I was a case manager at at, at Arbor in the in the partial program there and stuff. You know, uh, someone would want to get into a program, and you know, well, you know, I'm I'm thinking of say, um, I don't know, you know, a, a halfway house, and it's like, you know, can you make the call for me? And it'd be like, uh, no, but actually, I'll sit with you while you make the call because the treatment's for you, it's not for me, and you need to be part of the process. So, you know, enabling would be if I made the call, and you know, assisting is I'm going to be there with you if there's any questions, and I can answer them. You know. So, Greg, sometimes people, we had a life coach on last week. Um, sometimes people just um, need to be channeled, right? Just, yeah. I'm well, going to steer you. At times. I'm going to steer you, right? <laughs> I've had it, you know, 
and, and it's not enabling, it can be enabling. It's like, I'm not gonna do it for you, but I do think that people, you know, there are resources out there. It's very courageous for somebody to even wanna get treatment or wanna address their stuff. Yeah. And then they have to go online and then figure out who do I call? There's so many shady places around, you know, whether it's treatment, like what is the process? I really, I really believe that that is one of the biggest barriers to this whole thing is finding out the process. It's kind, we, of, Andy, it's kind of like though, when people, whether they pay for it or not, like if you get someone who gets a full ride to their treatment program and has zero investment on any level, much, you there's know, no value. Yeah, there's no value. And so they just kind of, you know, schlep it off. And I don't, I don't care about this. But when you when you make them take the time and even make a time investment so much the way they're calling and having to get their own bed and kind of yeah. figuring out the process, that's when they learn and that's when they feel committed to the whole thing. And that's when they can really take hold. Right. I, I just think we assume, right? Everybody assumes. I have a friend. He's 59. He's the most technologically illiterate person I've ever met in my life. He is so bad. And it's like, he doesn't know, right, how to navigate. And we assume, oh, well, everybody, it's just easy. Oh, I'll go online, I'll look it up, this yeah. and that. You're assuming that people know how to do this. It is not, some people may not even have access to a laptop or a computer, right? I mean, we, we assume that. And I don't think there's a good enough job on providing instruction or direction i just don't see like the thing is though like from now in almost every single emergency room there is a addiction liaison whatever it is that they title them and those people are the ones that when you come in on an overdose so if you go into a hospital and you're seeking help they are supposed to have a liaison that is going to assist you in navigating yeah with all the availability all availability There are programs in in Boston, in the Boston City Hospitals, that are amazing. If you go into um, into the emergency rooms and you, and they'll direct you directly to the rooms in the basement of the hospitals, and they'll give you food. Um, but you have to get to the hospital first. But you have to get to the hospital before. But if you, you want drugs, you, you need to do drugs. They're going to do it if they want it bad enough. That shows that I they know. Want it. But I'm talking mental health stuff too, like. Yeah, mental health is mental health is is very misunderstood. Right? Where do yeah. I, where do I where do I go? Well, I mean, right? for instance, if you're in the Boston area, I would send people right over to Cambridge City uh, Cambridge Hospital uh, Psych Emergency Room. They have a but psych Andy, emergency room. But Andy's right. saying, how do they find you? Right, Andy, you're saying, how do they, they yeah. take that initial step? Right. 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 How do I find a good person? How do I have to, you know, I could go to a crummy person and then I'm so soured on the whole thing. I said, screw it. I'm not doing anything. Right. People probably could do that. Or I don't vibe with my provider. So I'm going, I'm not even going to bother. That's your decision. Do you want to continue to live like this or do you, okay. So it happens all the time. Like, you know, you test drive a car. It's a crappy car. Everybody else says it's a great car. Maybe it just happened to be that car. That was a crappy car. I mean, I'm saying I'm a big believer as the older I get, right, even with COVID or whatever, give people the information, right? Make it crystal clear to them. Help, help, you know, meet them. Well, in the case of mental health, you might have to, you might have to also, also, uh, also see if they can take in the information. It's a good point. That's another issue. I mean, that's a whole other issue. That's what we do, right? We're trying to assist people in getting that information, getting 
you know, resources out there so that they can make these decisions. I understand people who don't have a laptop or what have you, but I think everyone, you know, we can help as much as we can help, right? We can only No, do I know, but I'm yeah, just saying. I mean, even in primary care offices now, in primary care offices, like I, I know the one, what, the ones for Partners Healthcare. Well, Partners Healthcare, by the way, is no longer Partners Healthcare. It's Massachusetts General Brigham, just so you know that. But, but anyway, I mean, most of the, most of the uh, primary care facilities that, that, uh, that, uh, that partners runs that they have a social worker in there now that most of the time they know the resources, you know? So, I mean, so you, so know you somebody can, that has the resources. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm just, I'm, I'm so just you start saying, with your primary care a lot of times. Right. I'm just saying there's like a healthcare disparity. There's, you know, there's, there's just a lot of problems there. And I think having information, I think, yeah. or helping people, um, you know, with arming them with the right Process. stuff. So anyway, speaking of that, where can people get in touch with you, Drinkwater? I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> they can get a hold of me. Uh, my, my email address is William.drinkwater at UMB. U is in USC's, M is in Massachusetts, B is in Boston, and .edu. So uh, William.drinkwater at UMB.edu. All right, Chris. What? Where can people talk to you? Uh, you can call me on my telephone, 508-212-7206. Or you can message us on the map, and uh, any of us can direct you to one another. And Kimberly? Uh, same as above. Same, same as Chris. Um, we can also go to bradyslanding.org. All right. Is that our show for the week? I think that's our show for today, anyway. Tell, tell people where they can find us. <laughs> Tell people where they can find uh, on the map. Facebook.com. Facebook.com. <laughs> mental health. It's all about mental health. Right? Yeah. It's all about yeah. mental health. <laughs> and I wish I had some. Yeah, okay. <laughs> As you all know, we do this podcast not only to help reduce stigma, but to be in service to anyone struggling with addiction or mental illness. We have access to an entire network of professionals, and we can help you find the right fit. Please reach out to us on our Facebook page um, or at the numbers given below our names during the podcast. And really, thank you. This you said, that, again. You said <laughs> that very well, Kim, when you were trying not to laugh still. I, <laughs> I was, as Willie's hanging upside down. Anyway, um, we will see you guys on Friday. Thank you. And thank that you is everyone. the end. And we'll see you on Friday. Have a great Bye. rest of the week, everybody. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.